the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, Great to be with you. Another great program coming at you. You know, in case you haven't figured it out, let me explain to you what the format of the program is every day. We have the opening of the show. It's about 10 minutes of what you need to know. I tell you what the stories are, what the biggest news is, frame things up. If you just listen to one aspect of the show or the podcast, if you're listening as a podcast, listen to this first segment. The second and third segments are always an interview with a key newsmaker, an author, someone that jumps out to me. Now, most of the time, if you go to other radio programs or podcasts, they they generally chase names. I chase content, meaning I need somebody who knows something that you probably haven't heard about. And so that's why you hear from somebody like Todd Benzman. Now, he'll show up, Todd Benzman, on Fox News, on Tucker, every now and then, because he's that good. But, you know, Center for Immigration Studies, other folks there, Mark Krikorian, who works with him, Mark's the leader of that organization. But generally that we in that period, in fact, today we'll have Michael Volpe, who is an investigative journalist. He just he hates corruption and he just finds corruption and, and fights to figure out what's going on. So that's the second and third segment. And the last segment is a sort of wrap up segment, shorter segment. Usually what you need to do, the window contrast with the wink what you need to know but something like that that's the format all right so we've got a lot today but first well so what is what you need to know are we on, want to talk about russia and the ukraine and the insanity of the world seeming to goad the parties into war terrible terrible we should all say out loud that we don't want to have nato encompass include the ukraine and that will make this thing go away i, I don't know why we're not Europe and America, Europe and the United States should say we will not welcome the Ukraine into NATO, but you, Putin, have to leave Ukraine alone. If you don't, we'll come back and help them out. It's totally obvious to me. But anyway, we got the media, fake news, absolutely wanting war, war, war. It's terrible. Okay? Terrible. You want to talk about what else? I mean, uh, the uh, the Super Bowl's passed now. States like Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia, in the last 36 hours, the Democrats joined with the Republicans and to pass a law that said get rid of the mask mandate, and they took it to the governor. That's happening all over the country. It's not a principle that has been embraced by the left or the Democrats, even Republicans that supported it. It's not a principle. It's polling. They're seeing the polling, and the polling is telling them, get the heck out of the way. People don't want the mask mandates, especially on kids. So that's what's happening there. But that's not what you need to know today. Those are a couple things. There's lots of things around. What you need to know today is the simple fact that we are faced at this time with a a, a key moment in terms of what's going on in our country. And, 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 and the, the combination of the fake news, big tech and big media, 
shutting down this story is stunning. I tell you all the time, I go to, in the morning when I get, when, when I get reading, I read the New York Times, uh, whatever I can for free. I don't pay for it anymore. I read the Wall Street Journal. I do pay for a subscription there. I read Politico, politico.com, and I bounce around Twitter. But politico.com is where I go to see what the left is thinking about what's going on. And it's kind of the center left that does Politico. They're not the far left, so they're distrustful of the far left generally. But so it's sort of the establishment left of the uh, the establishment left is on Politico.com. Okay. Now, when you go there, you see what they're worried about. There was a piece earlier in the day, I forget on Tuesday morning, maybe about um, uh, Connor Lamb, the um, military veteran who ran for Congress as a Democrat in Pennsylvania. He beat a guy, I think he beat Keith Rothfuss a few years ago, who was a Republican good guy. And Lamb ran as one of these um, sort of Rahm Emanuel styled guys. Rahm Emanuel used to say, go recruit these types. And so he was came from a family with money, a business family, was a military guy. He didn't look and sound like AOC or Bernie Sanders or anybody else. And he won. Now he's running for U.S. Senate. Politico was mad writing a piece that it used to be that a guy like Connor Lamb would be a shoe in to be the nomination for the Democrat Party. Not anymore, because the party, the civil war in the in the in the political parties in America is not in the Republican Party. It's Trump's party. It's America first party. The loud voices from the old guard are just smaller and smaller and softer and softer in the Democrat Party. They're fighting all the time. So that's Politico. But here's the wrinkle. What's missing from the front page of Politico and every other left-leaning entity, including MSNBC, CNN, Politico, New York Times, Washington Post, is any coverage of the filings of the Durham investigation regarding Hillary and the Hillary Clinton campaign executing not dirty tricks they didn't say trump was a bad guy or had this or that they executed a sophisticated effort to surveil his servers and after that was done they continued to surveil trump and his administration in office as jack posobic said on twitter you're focused on, some of us are focused on Twitter, you can see it. You can't see it on Politico. You can't see it on the New York Times. You can't see it on Washington Post. You can't see it on CNN. You can't see it on MSNBC. Not covering any of it. But if you're on Twitter, you can see it. And Posobiec said, everybody's focused on what they surveilled when they were wiretapping Trump. And they're not asking the next question, which is, who allowed this? How is it possible that it was allowed? It had to be authorized by somebody. You can't get into American uh, uh, government servers without somebody knowing. And whoever was knowing is it was allowing this to happen in some way. It could be, it could be that it happened somehow and nobody knew. But it seems more likely that it was done with people who were, say, leaving office in January of 2017, people like Susan Rice and Joe Biden and his team that were saying, hey, how do we go about continuing what we started? Because we really got to get this done. Now, let's pause. If the Hillary Clinton campaign 
and its operatives were able to hack into the the Trump campaign. And that's that's now that's again, it's not been refuted. The question become and then they did it going on into the White House. The question becomes, you know, why didn't they stop after the election? And some of what I think people will say is they believed that it was a national security threat. Let's pretend some of them weren't just political hacks who thought Trump shouldn't be president because they knew better. Let's say they were legitimately concerned with the um, the state of the nation, that, that there could be someone who wasn't appropriate in the White House. What's the way forward? One. Somebody had to know in the CIA, the, the, the FBI, more likely Department of Justice. The other path forward is Congress should have known, right? Because there would have been a role for one of the co-equal branches to say we can't allow this. At this point, we can say we don't know if anyone was involved. We don't know yet. Durham may reveal it. Maybe we'll never know if they've been able to hide it. But as Posobiec said, you're supposed to ask, when were they listening? You're not supposed to ask, who allowed it? Who allowed it? It's, it, it is really, I, I don't know, is it treason? It certainly sounds like treason if you're using the power of government against the duly elected president. Again, as I have said over and over, I, I had concerns. I still have concerns that have never been addressed about how the 2020 election went. But once you get to a certain point, the Constitution kicks in and you have to have a president. You have to have a system that protects. And if it was found that something in 2020's election was so off base and it was managed by Biden, the path out of that is not to pretend that he's not president or somehow use the FBI against him. It's to have an impeachment. That would have been the path. But that's not the path the Hillary Clinton campaign appears to have chosen. And the powers that be in the White House. What are the chances that Obama and his people were not in on it if they allowed if this was allowed to occur? I, I, I can't know, but it doesn't seem likely. It seems likely that they were involved. That's what's at, that's what's happening. And again, just to finish this up, that's what we know from the Durham filings. Whether it could be refuted or not, it seems like that re- refutation would be done by what? The American media, the American news organizations. If the New York Times t- thinks that what Durham said was false, they can refute it. They can have a New York Times can have a lengthy piece that says Durham filed this, says Hillary hacked and wiretapped Trump in the campaign and in the White House. But here's what the Hillary campaign says. Here's what the people said. Durham's wrong. He's a hack. That's what you'd expect the media to do. And instead, crickets. At a certain point, when you hear crickets in terms of scrutiny from the media, you they don't even say Durham's wrong, Durham's lying, we don't like Durham. It means now, prove it now to us, you have to say, you can't trust them. So it means that they don't have an answer. And it means, therefore, it's true. All right, we got to take a break. That's what you need to know today. We got to take a break, though. I'm over time. We'll uh, be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and I'm back with my friend Todd Benzman. Todd Benzman, of course, is the uh, Senior National Security Fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. CIS.org is where you can go. On my desk, I'm at my office right now, on my desk is his book, America's Covert Border War. It's um, it's very helpful. You should read that. It's one thing to know how crazy the border is, which every time we talk to Todd, he fills us in on it. But it's another thing to realize what is happening in terms of the threat, right? What the national security threat is that's related to that. So welcome back, Todd. How are you? Great to be here. Thanks. I'm great. Well, so what's the what's the newest uh, news? Give me anything new that nobody's paying attention to yet. Yeah, there's a, a very important story, national security story related to the border that is getting surprisingly little. Well, I guess it's not that surprising that it's not getting much attention, but uh, I'll just lay it out for you. In uh, early December, a Venezuelan, we're having a lot of Venezuelans, thousands crossing the southern border right now, but one of them crossed, swam the Rio Grande from Matamoros into Brownsville. And when he got on the other side, we uh, caught him and ran databases on him and Lo and behold, he hit on the FBI's terrorism watch list. Uh, the information about him was that, uh, you know, he was Lebanese born uh, and came to Venezuela and naturalized there. Uh, but but that they had the FBI files had highly derogatory terrorism intelligence information about him. And the FBI regarded him as a flight threat. So they asked ICE to hang on to him, keep him in detention. And instead, ICE DC headquarters intervened on his behalf and ordered him freed. So he's running around in the Detroit area, free pursuing an asylum claim. The reason that they let him go was because uh, they didn't want him to have to withstand the risk of catching COVID in detention because uh, he's uh, overweight. Um, so do we, there was a, a journalist up in, um, in Michigan who, who you, you mentioned to me, and maybe he was offline said that he was uh, on this story also. And, and he, it, so there's somebody in Michigan, has this guy been, um, has he been identified in Michigan? Do we know he's there? Is he walking around? Uh, and, and, you know, is there any, any news up there? Yes. Uh, the, the journalist who broke this story, his name is Charlie Laduff, and he works for an obscure online publication in the Detroit area. Uh, but he was a New York Times reporter for many years, and he won a Pulitzer Prize for them. So he's a serious guy. Right. Uh, somebody in federal government leaked the file to him. That's how we even know about this. And Charlie published this a couple of weeks ago. Nobody has followed him. Uh, and Charlie and I have been on, on uh, the phone quite a bit. And what he's done lately is tried to keep advancing the story. So he found the guy living with his wife and daughter in a cousin's house in Dearborn. And Charlie talked to him on the phone. The guy told him, Look, I don't know what this is all about or why I'm on a terrorism watch list. I don't know anything about that, which is what you would expect. Uh, and then they arranged to have a, a sit down interview. And the guy, you know, 
stood Charlie up and now he can't reach Charlie. So Charlie went to his house and knocked the door. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we have Charlie trying to reach this guy and talk to him and he's sort of, di- you know, ditching him. And that's all we know at this point. Now there is a, some kind of an ir- immigration hearing scheduled for uh, the Venezuelan and Charlie is planning to go to that. But, you know, of course they could close that or anything could happen once the Lebanese Venezuelan lawyers up. And that's the latest. Uh, we're talking again with Todd Benzman and Todd Benzman is at uh, Center for Immigration Studies dot org. Excuse me, Center for Immigration Studies, CIS dot org. And you click through to Todd's uh, page there and the, his writings. Um, and Todd, let me ask it this way. If that's the guy we found, how many didn't we find? I mean, and I don't mean that, you know, the number, but I mean, we that's the that's one man that was caught and we know his name. How and that we know his name because somebody in the government leaked it, not because it was published uh, by the government or anything. How many people got through? I mean, what's your what, what's the scope of the number of people that are entering? If you had to put a number on it that we have no idea who they are. Well, I'm going to I base my estimate on what the official numbers are for what what we call gotaways. And these are going to be people who that we spotted their footprints in the sand, but nobody got caught or, you know, a drone got a picture of them from above and we didn't catch them. And those get counted and tallied in in a typical month. We have anywhere from 40 to 60,000 of those people. Those are just gotaways. And those are considered an undercount because, you know, there are lots of uh, folks that, you know, get through that. We don't see their footprints in the sand or, you know, catch them on camera somewhere. And uh, by my guess, it's probably about another maybe 500,000, 600,000 over the course of a year. And those are of all nationalities. Those are runners. Uh, there are runners all the time, all day long, all night long down there who are just trying everything they can possibly try to avoid detection uh, and apprehension. Uh, and just by their running to avoid apprehension suggests that at least some percentage of them have something bad to hide. They don't want to get caught. Right. So, uh, you know, all, all of that is just part of the crazy border situation, this historic situation that we have down there, the greatest mass migration crisis in U.S. history. Um, we're talking with uh, Todd Benzman. And as to bad guys, as to, you know, the number of uh, people that would be on terror watch lists or would be wanted for crimes and all. Again, I know you don't know the number, but you have a, a feel. It's not it's 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 not just day laborers that are crossing the the border at this point, because in large part, they know it's not likely they're going to get caught or detained in a big way. So it's it's a sort of, you know, you can get away with it. Right. Well, yeah. And also. You know, criminal aliens who have been deported already in the past and uh, see an opportunity to get over the border know that there's very, very little interior enforcement going on right now. They did abolish ICE. For all intents and purposes, ICE is abolished. And they did it uh, through bureaucracy by sharply restricting who ICE deportation officers could go after. And 
the restrictions included most categories of criminal aliens and serious categories of criminal aliens, uh, you know, of criminality uh, to include, you know, armed robbery and manslaughter and uh, rape and child molestation and, uh, you know, things like DWI, which Joe Biden said doesn't qualify as a serious enough crime. So they're out. Um, So, you know, this is this is the goal is is for these people to get past the 100 mile mark at the border. Once they're past that mark, they're considered to be in the interior and Border Patrol can't catch them anymore. Then they become an ICE deportation officer problem called ERO. And they're doing desk duty, light desk duty now. So they're free and clear, these criminal aliens coming over the border. And also criminal aliens who are inside the country already and just get caught up in their drug trafficking and beating up their uh, wives and girlfriends and all of that sort of thing and uh, doing gang warfare and having guns and all of that sort of thing. Those people are left alone, too. For the uh, most part. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Todd Benzman about the border. Todd, um, you and I have talked about this a couple times and uh, the reaction of the of the public, of people that know what you do and you can get a rhythm of it. Right. At a certain point, some people are saying, oh, yeah, man, this is a big problem. I, I feel it. I see it. And, and I'm not saying your 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 job is a reporter and investigator, but you feel the politics of it. And it's it's an election cycle. In fact, in Texas, there's a Republican primary in uh, a few weeks, March 1st, I think. Um, what what are, what's the what's the feeling among uh, the American people. How do you how do you read where we are? Is it is it are they infuriated? Is it changing or is it sort of because the media is not covering much? It's kind of on the back burner. Well, it's partisan. It's split just like you would expect, just like everything is in this country uh, along partisan lines. I mean, if you're if you if you're on the Republican side of the aisle or you're over there somewhere, or maybe just sort of in the middle uh, you are going to be very concerned uh, and outraged and frustrated and angry even uh, about what's happening at the border. Yes, with hundreds of thousands of people just being rewarded with legalization into the country, uh, just pouring over the border like this uh, and and everything out of control. But on the Democratic side, it's just a bunch of white noise. They don't seem to have a care in the world about it. In fact, I think a lot of them like it, uh, Mm. feel like, Oh, good. Well, you know, we get some cheap labor and, you know, those people deserve it and whatever. Uh, so, and there's not a lot of, uh, press coverage. Now the New York times and the post and all those big legacy papers, they are doing some coverage of this. They parachute in and they, it's not a total, no coverage. They are doing it. Some of it, but, but it's not, to the level that you would expect for a major historic event for the country in the nation's history like this. And that's kind of my complaint about what's happening, that the people don't know about it. And if I could add one more thing. Yeah, please. The Biden White White House is starting to get concerned about what's happening as a political matter. Uh, The chief of staff, uh, I think his name is Rob Klein, Mm-hmm. And um, what's her name? Price, uh, Susan Price, 
those those people are understanding that there are political implications to this for the next election cycle and the one after. And the far left progressives who had controlled policy down there and caused this are walking out the door in resignations now. I think hmm. that's a, a really good news story. Uh, and it has been reported that these progressive liberals are mad. Uh, they're losing uh, the, the war against the pragmatists in the White House. So I think there is a political implication to this that the White House is recognizing. Hmm. Well, they should. I mean, it's uh, as a crisis, they should. As a politics matter, they should, I think. But we'll see. All right. I got to run, though. Todd Bensman, as always, uh, helpful. His book, again, which I'm holding a copy of America's Covert Border War, the untold story of the nation's battle to prevent jihadist infiltration. Todd Bensman, Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. His writings there are very helpful. Thanks, Todd. Be safe. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been a long time. I, he'll probably get yell at me. Michael Volpe is a journalist. He's been on the program in the past. He uh, he has a nose. I don't know if it's a nose for it, but he has the ability to dig into corruption, uh, whether it's uh, corporate stuff and nonprofit stuff. It's uh, he nobody is uh, free from his gaze when he turns towards him and he sends out some great emails. He's over at Substack.com. Uh, I will make sure that we put over his is michael volpe dot substack dot com i'll put it up on social media and recently he caught my attention with a piece uh on the va veterans administration corruption so first of all welcome back michael how are you Good. It's actually the Department of Veterans Affairs. So Veteran- you're not the only, not right. the only person to get it wrong. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I as as you know, the VA caught fire in terms of coverage about 2014, 2015. Right. And uh, so what the and then that led to in 2017, the VA Accountability Act that was one of the first pieces of legislation passed under President Trump. And I guess if you're giving if you're asking me for a headline, it's that <laughs> this particular law, like almost all other reform efforts surrounding the VA, has generally failed. Uh, and so, on my Substack, I got uh, stories on four different VA stories from all around the country. I think the the most interesting is that I found a doctor in Louisiana named Shivani Nagy, who uh, I guess is an angel of mercy, or as a guy described her, an angel of death. And so (laughs) a guy named Floyd Hamilton came to me, and basically she failed to provide any kind of medical services for his dad, who was in his 80s, and his dad eventually wound up dying. And Floyd found eight other people who provided him with affidavits for a lawsuit that I should mention he did lose, uh, which describes similar behavior by Dr. Nagy. Uh, He also found that she's got a problem with her medical license because she doctored up some medical reports to try to cover up for malfeasance that she had committed. That was over 20 years ago. And I think the most important thing is that your coverage of this particular case is the most he has received, even though this is this has been going on for almost 20 years. I interviewed him. He described how CNN came down, did a bunch of interviews, and at the last minute, they 
failed to cover it. And he's uh, he's basically gotten a little bit of coverage from the local African-American newspaper. But a doctor who uh, fails to treat patients who she believes really are about to die anyway, so they're not really deserving of care, right. uh, continues to operate. And yet he, besides your program, uh, for almost 20 years, can't get any media to cover it. Um, why, 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 before we get to that, why do you think it is again, you've observed, is it, is it, you know, is it the messenger? Is it the messenger? They don't like, you know, they don't want to cover him. Is it the power of the, of the system? Tell me why. Number one, it is the threat of a lawsuit. I published this on my Substack. In fact, uh, I originally wrote it in 2020. I won't say where it was supposed to be published, but the editor told me that when they ran it by their lawyers, their lawyers said, don't publish this. It's too great a risk of a lawsuit. Uh, that's one. Number two, that VA, and it's I, Alexandria VA. It's Alexandria, Louisiana. It's very powerful in that area. So most people don't want to take it on over there. And then um, I, I can't say why CNN didn't cover it, but it's more complex. It, it's better suited for a local to cover it. But uh, the threat of the lawsuit, the power of the VA, uh, it's a very complex story, uh, time intensive. All of those things combine to being that for almost two decades, this doctor continues to roam wild, uh, treat patients she feels like treating. And, and if she deems you uh, too close to dying, she won't treat you. But the, but the question I have is if, if it's if it's, um, you know, and, and again, if it's if there's enough there for the conversation and you say what happened and you, you actually would think even maybe let me say it this way, even if she or the doctor or the, the community thinks it's not true, the way to solve it would be to take it on then. Right. Have somebody take it on instead of silence. Right. It, it's uh, it strikes me as uh, strange that there there's not someone willing to say, aha. I mean, it, it's not strange. It makes me wonder because uh, I don't know the truth. I don't know the facts except what I hear. But if someone says that's not true, you'd say, well, counter the facts, right? Come in and say, this is what's going on. This is what's happened. Um, Michael, in general, pulling back a little bit, because again, if you go over to uh, your uh, Substack, you you write on a variety of subjects. I mean, you're an investigative journalist. I mean, is is uh, it, what's your... How's it going in this country? I mean, it feels like the pandemic became an opportunity for a lot of people to do worse. I mean, meaning continue corruption, continue uh, doing finding other ways. It feels like in some ways uh, it, it gave window for more, not just looters that we saw the pictures of that, but I'm talking about corruption. Right. No. Well, certainly in the in the stuff I covered, uh, I do a lot with uh, divorce and custody. And there were plenty right. of ju- there were plenty of judges who I. Uh, brought their own political beliefs into these custody matters. So I covered a woman named Melanie Joseph who recorded her judge, Dale Cohen, out of Florida, just this anti-mask raid uh, rant, I'm sorry, that he gave her a harangue, if you will, uh, where he was upset that she had taken a photo several weeks prior to this court hearing in another state, not wearing a mask in her doctor's office. And he gave her supervised visits and said, if you're going to see your, I think it's her son, you're going to wear a mask, you're going to do it. And she had moved out of the state and you're going to do it in my county. Uh, and it was clear that he was just bothered by the fact that she didn't wear some mask in, in this one particular photo. And that, that that's not unique. Uh, certainly in terms of that, uh, I saw, I, you know, 
the Texas reversed itself, but they they had this very goofy rule about who can and can't stay open uh, as far as restaurants. And if it was like if you serve 49 percent or less uh, alcohol, you could stay open. And if it was 51 percent or, or more, you had to shut down. Uh, and I, I saw a lot of that. And it's very mm. uh, it's very random. But right. the, the, the main thing I'd say is. Um, no one knows what is disinformation. So instead of just allowing all of the information to come through and and believing that the power of free press and free speech, we're trying to shut down certain things like what they're doing with Joe Rogan, allowing other things. When if you believe you're right, then just argue it in in the information superhighway of which we supposedly have a bunch of between YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and the other ones, except they're curating. Uh, so what what you're seeing is certain information is OK. Other information is not OK. When in reality, look, no one really knows anything about uh, about covid, the pandemic, how to how to properly approach it. Not really. Right. Uh, and yet we're curating certain things and not curating other things. Um, we're talking with Michael Volpe. And again, uh, Substack uh, is where he's got uh, a uh, he writes there, but also he's got a podcast. Uh, Michael Volpe investigates podcast, uh, which you can check out also. Uh, Michael, well, you just said something, though, about um, it, it doesn't seem like you can trust anything. You're, you're not sure what to believe. On the other hand, um, uh, do you think it's it's sort of haphazard the way people end up targeted. I, it's hard to believe there's somebody in a room saying let's target or, you know, a, a few people, these folks, on the other hand, it, it clearly ends up one side of the aisle, right? It ends up one side of the power. You know, you you've written enough on say the family issues and custody issues. It's not always Democrats or Republicans that are targeted in that sitting, but it is the power structure on one side. Right. And, and it is, is that, um, is, is that part of it growing or is it sort of uh, haphazard? Because some of the COVID crackdowns seem so haphazard, they don't, don't make any sense. Um, they don't have, there's no through, through line that can, can make sense to your head. Right. You know what? Not to uh, give a, more of a plug to Substack, but Glenn Greenwald, who's also on Substack, has been writing a lot about this. It's the people who cha- who challenge the corporate uh, interests who are targeted, just like Joe Rogan. Uh, and so, no. And then the other thing is, uh, and he's written a lot about this. Uh, Democrats have been lobbying the 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 Facebooks and the other YouTubes and, and Twitters and others of the world to block certain people. And the Republicans aren't doing it with that kind of intensity. And uh, and in fact, when you do that, you are violating the First Amendment as he goes through. There's actually case law of this, that, that if the, the government is pressuring someone to censor, it's to say it. it in the legal world is the same as passing a law, which they can't to, to curb free speech. But uh, no, there's no question that right now the, 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 the power structure sees certain people and, and, and that person today is Joe Rogan, ironically, uh, comes out of nowhere to be the, like the challenge to everyone uh, who are a threat to the way that the that, that things work, where they're in power. Uh, and so they they absolutely target them through a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. Look, if you're banned from YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, yeah, you have free speech, but where? 
Right. Where is your right. Where is your <laughs> right, right. Exactly. That's right. It's uh, you have it, but you can talk to, you know, you can talk to yourself, I guess. I mean, and, and, oh. and, and, and more and more, I think that's right. Um, Michael Volpe dot substack dot com. As you mentioned out over at substack, Michael Volpe, V O L P E. I'll put it up on social media, Michael Volpe dot substack dot com. And also uh, I will po- put up his podcast, Michael, it's been too long. We'll have you back on again. I got to run. Unfortunately, we will, uh, we'll do it again soon. Okay. Have me back anytime. Thank you for having me. Okay, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Fully a third of all Americans recognize that many elections in our nation are not entirely honest. Democracy assumes that voters should fill out their own ballots without pressure for certain candidates. But liberal political operatives harvest and deliver ballots for certain candidates that they favor. And they did this a lot for Joe Biden in 2020. Fortunately, pockets of remaining democracy in the United States are reflected in how voters continue to move right in reaction to the tactics by the left. The highly respected Cook Political Report has changed its assessment of three key governor races to describe these as toss-ups after they were previously listed as leaning towards re-election of the incumbent Democrats. These are the battleground states of Michigan, Nevada, and Wisconsin, all essential to the Democrats' quest to win the next presidential election. Most notably in Michigan, with its prize of 15 electoral college votes, the incumbent governor Gretchen Whitmer faces continued dissatisfaction with her dictatorial lockdowns during the pandemic. Remarkably, the Cook Report also updated its assessment of the Democrat strongholds of Oregon, New Mexico and Maine in order to reflect growing Republican strength there. Right now, the real democracy in the United States is in Republican primaries, where elections are not stolen and people are willing to vote out incumbents who fail to accomplish what they promised. This is illustrated perfectly by the entry of former U.S. Senator David Perdue into the Republican primary race for the governor of Georgia. Perdue's running against the turncoat incumbent Brian Kemp. Immediately, Donald Trump endorsed David Perdue, who will bring a choice, not an echo which was sorely lacking in the anti-Trump governor's bid for re-election. Governor Kemp, it should be remembered, presided over a takeover of the state's two U.S. Senate seats by liberal Democrats, and then he obstructed restoration of election integrity in the Peach State. A sweep of the Georgia primaries by pro-Trump candidates would be a big step towards saving our country. If liberals truly supported democracy, they'd be applauding. Their silence is deafening. From Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin. Election fraud has the power to destroy the America we know and love. Never again can we allow an election to be stolen. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find reasonable, workable strategies for assuring the integrity of every future election. Visit phyllisschlafly.com today. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and we're wrapping things up. Just got a couple of minutes. Uh, let me remind you, over at ProAmericaReport.com, you can check out all these great interviews. Remember what I told you. It's a sandwich, right? It's the wink and the window. What you need to know at the beginning of the program, what you need to do at the end of the program. In the middle are two great interviews every single day. We work hard. I want to say thank you to our associate producer, Joanna Spilger, for helping us get those guests, and thank you. This week, Chris is our producer filling in for the great Noah Dingley. And so thank you for all the help. But if you go to ProAmericaReport.com, you get the sandwich, the wink, what you need to know. Uh, today, of course, we were talking about the unbelievable blackout, the media blackout of uh, the Hillary Clinton involvement in wiretapping Donald Trump and his campaign, as well as his presidency. And then the window, what you need to do. So and in between two great interviews uh, today, Todd Benzman, as well as Michael Volpe and Today's what you need to do is go to Pro America Report or go to my social media, Ed Martin Live on Facebook, at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter, and uh, listen to these great segments, promote them with other people, spread the word. We love doing the program. We love the Pro America Report, and we especially love the value we can deliver uh, by doing the program. So please spread the word yourself as much as you can. That would make a big difference for us. Again, uh, thank you to uh, Chris uh, for filling in for Noah as well and Joanna also. All right, everybody, we'll be back. Uh, don't worry. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Check us out at ProAmericaReport.com, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.